Lift off. Oh, I didn't even get my freaking mic set up. It's not that hard. Got my drink. Yep. Everything else is good, though. Looks pretty. You got the camera rolling. Yep. Sweet. Oh, is that just connected to the to the computer? Yeah, man. It's a easy setup. I mean, like we were just talking about all the gear and stuff. Right. It's daunting at first. The reason why it sucks so bad is because, <clears throat> like anything in life, you're afraid of this like huge barrier of entry, barrier of understanding. Yeah. And trust me, at first I was like, "Fuck, this is gonna be tough to understand <laughs> and learn." But it really isn't that bad. You just like. It's frustrating at times, but you just got oh oh hold on uh oh oh the camera shut off or something yeah it probably went into sleep mode yeah so I have the battery oh oh no I want the demo mode demo mode Man, how much are one of these mics? I need one of these mics so bad. Here's a question. Do you need do you need one? I need it for nice. like at home recording. You know what I mean? Like a fifty eight's great. Yeah. But it's like I could record a guitar and vocal with just this mic and it pick it up per it picks it up perfect almost. Dude. <clears throat> for the price of this, you can get a fifty eight and a fifty seven. Well, I've got those already. <laughs> I just like these dynamic bikes, personally. Yeah. yeah, they're definitely cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm happy to have them. <laughs> it's just, it's just if I went looking back at it, it's like, you know, there's not much right now with technology <clears throat> where like this mic does a whole lot different than a lot of the other mics. Right. It's, it's crazy. I mean, look, these are reliable. They're classic. They're awesome. Yeah, they but, are. But it doesn't... <clears throat> there's other options. Yeah. Like, that. That's I kind of got into that realm. I was like, oh, okay, I should have this mic. And then when I got it, I was like... You know, the more I use it, I was like, eh, it's, a, it's a nice mic. Right. But it's not... Is it worth that? Or just, like, the little... Like, are you... Are you recording final vocals or anything? Me personally, yeah. no. Like no, at, no. at your studio, at your home, or anything. You know what I mean? No, I'm doing dude. like video, like trying to get like good quality videos out of it and stuff like that. Oh, dude! Like I got, I play for a guy that uses one of these live, and oh I'm, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is cool. Like he sounds great, but I don't understand. Like, you know, like I don't know. I guess using a 58 for me is just that's live performance. 58. That's that's it. Yeah, get like the betas. Um, <clears throat> those are great too for uh, home recording stuff. Mm -hmm. But man, I mean, again, these are great. These are awesome mics. They wouldn't be. Well, listen to it. I mean, yeah, it's picking all this up. It, I mean, it picked up the camera going on. Like you just hitting the button. Well, that necessarily doesn't. That has to do with the mixer, really. So there's like a. If you think, I mean, do you know how mics work? I, I don't want to yeah. like insult your intelligence. No, right yeah, here, but like, no, yeah. You know, it's the gain. It's really the gain on the mixer and each mixer is going to be different each they have their own presets and stuff but i just i the 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 sound that i get quality wise between this and then like i mean the 58s i have are they're old 
They're old. Yeah. I mean, I guess I should upgrade. I my, maybe I should just upgrade the 58s and call it a day. I'm telling you, man, unless you're trying to do <clears throat> like final vocals. Right. I'm just trying to do some cool videos with some good audio. That's all. They sure actually came out. I think it's called like the M10 or something like that. Yeah. It's um, it's for podcasting. No and shit. they're like a hundred bucks or something. And they're nice. They're 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 designed after this capsule. Huh. So it's not. It's something to look into. Yeah. If you if you just want to do something like that, they get well, like great. That. Yeah, like that. And then buddy of mine, we wanted to do a podcast. We wanted to start like our own like weekly podcast type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. We just you you seen the Nelk boys? Oh yeah, I saw the yeah, Luke Bryan interview. Yeah. That oh yeah. Good. Dude. They use those mics I was talking about. Yeah. Like they, oh, they're so a little short. Those, those mics. Yeah. Yeah. They're okay. not nothing crazy. It's just, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The Luke Bryan interview that they just did was pretty wild. I didn't get to see it all, but it's cool seeing. <clears throat> I love seeing the side. That's kind of what this is about, right? Right. Seeing the side of an artist and hear about their journey that you don't get to see. Right. Yeah. You know who who knew Luke Bryan? Like, I I watched his uh, documentary. Um, Dirt Road Diaries. It, it was on like last year. Where? I think it was on Amazon. Okay. It was cool. It was it was his journey, you know, and how he came to town, uh, got a publishing deal, and then got a, a label or like, you know, what happened first and what his journey was to get there and where he's at now. Right. And that was cool. It was awesome to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's cool to look at those kind of like those stories, like how these stars got to be stars, you know? Exactly right, man. It's a, It's a nice... I like that kind of stuff. I, I yeah, think we me all, too. We can all appreciate it. I think from this side, and um, it's just nice because you know you've how many people have you heard on podcasts, or whatever. In general, you, when they're celebrities, they say like you have a million people that know you, think they yeah. know you, and they'll come up to you and just be like, "Hey, what's up? Like, what's up, Adam? Like, hey man, how's your <laughs> how's your wife? Like, how's your daughter? Everything okay?" And you're like, you you forget. You're like, oh. Damn, like I forget that that's public. Like, and people want to know that, and it's weird. Right? Yeah. It's weird to have that personal info out there. But you know, as much as you think you know somebody, it's just cool to hear them talk about their journey to where they were, where right. they got to. Adam, welcome to living the dream, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, thanks for stopping by because we were right in Friday. Yeah. Friday. Friday morning. Yeah. You had a jet and uh, open up the door for your roommate. Yep, because there's a key situation, yeah. and now you you played your shows this weekend in Tunica, down Tunica, Tunica. Yeah. Mississippi. And how was Mississippi? It was good. Never been to Mississippi, I don't think. Well, it's it's uh, exactly how you would picture it. You know, it's just Mississippi. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we played down at the casino down at the the Horseshoe. The, it's the the Haras, the like the Caesars Casino Hotel Resort place over there. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. You know, you, you kind of just like you're a little bit of background music, but you also got a good crowd there at the same time. You know, because everyone's playing playing cards and stuff like that. They're trying to win money. They're yeah. not really listening for um, you know Country Roads taking yeah. home in the you know in the background. <clears throat> yeah, man, I feel that. Um, have you played? You played downtown gigs? Yeah, I played before? downtown. Yeah, I've been here seven years now, and yeah. I started off downtown when I first got here. Uh, literally, like maybe two, two or three days into being here, uh, a friend of mine, Shan Scott, she had a boyfriend that um, was a singer at Tootsie's, and then he hooked me up with a friend of his that was also a singer at Tootsie's, and me and him started singing together, and then I kind of just went off and did my own thing <laughs> after I was playing singing with him for a little bit. Yeah. 
And then I got tired of it real quick, to be honest. <laughs> I feel you. <clears throat> it's not bad. I, I did it. I did it last night and this morning. I mean, I mean, the money's great. If you don't got anything to do, which I don't exactly. Like, if you don't got much <laughs> to do, man, like it's not bad making money and just getting your name out there and stuff. Like, I mean, it's not better than making money and playing music, you know, like it, that's literally what we came here to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, we come here because we love to play music and we love music, but we don't want it to just be a hobby. You know, yep. I mean, a hobby is great to have, like to get away, but we don't want, we don't want to just get away. We don't want to just play music to get away. We want to make money and make it a yep. living. <clears throat> yep. Exactly right, man. It's, it's funny. All right. Before we get into this, tell me Adam's journey was like, what, tell me you can be as long as detailed as you <laughs> want. I'll ask questions. Mm-hmm. Your, your journey up until like where you're at now. Okay. I know it's a long one. We talked. We yeah. talked before on Friday. I was like, damn, I wish it was all we were recording this. But yeah. we're going to get over it again, man. It's, so tell me, yeah, give me your journey from like, like what started you getting into music and just, yeah. Well, my dad's, my dad's been a musician since he was 14. He's been a singer-songwriter, traveled the world playing and recording all over the place. You know, he, he recorded in the same studio that the Beatles recorded in in, in England. What? Yeah. Yeah, not at the same time, but it was oh, the no, same so, studio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he went over there, and then, um, yeah, he's been all. He was on a collaboration album with like Twisted Sister and John Bon Jovi. Played with Chuck Berry. He played with Sean and I. He played with Bruce Springsteen. Clarence Clem- Yeah, he's played with all these cats, bro. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I always say the coolest <laughs> thing about me is my dad. Like that's like <laughs> the cool. It, it's so cool. I look up to him in all those ways, like that. And I guess when I was about seven years old. Him and my mother had me and my brother start taking piano lessons. And, you know, it's like a seven-year-old, we, you hate piano. You don't want to play music. You think it's for, like, losers. And we got chicken pox, like, a year later. And the guy never came back afterwards. So, no more piano. <laughs> All right. I started out on the drums in fourth grade. Um, and then fifth grade, I switched to trumpet. Um and then be right in that point when I first picked up a guitar, really, it was like around fifth grade. Um, between fifth and sixth grade, I switched to euphonium. What is that? It's like a baritone. It's like a small, like a, it's like a low end horn, but it's like smaller. And oh, then, what? and I learned how to play that in the summer between fifth and sixth grade. And then in sixth grade, there were so many trumpet players and so many baritone euphonium players. I just want, I didn't want to be like everybody else. Yeah. So I went to my band director. I was like, Hey, can I play something else where like, you know, stick out a little bit. And he's like, well, I need someone to play that. And he pointed this horn on the wall. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, it's a tuba. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. So I played tuba from sixth grade till today. Still like I have a tuba at home. I went to college and played tuba at West Virginia. That's how I got into college was music, playing the tuba, music performance. That's awesome. Yeah, and before, <laughs> before all that, um, I was in metal bands, a lot of metal bands. My first band was when I was 13 with my buddy Avo when we lived in Florida. And um, we were just a bunch of punk kids, you know. We painted our faces and everything like that. We were like metal screamo, didn't know what the hell we were doing, just banging on shit and all that kind of stuff. Dude, that's <clears throat> that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, because I guess my generation didn't really want to, at least in the areas that I lived in, being Florida, New Jersey, New York, no one really wanted to start like a country band. We grew up 
How old are you? 30. Yeah, we grew up at the same time. Yeah. I mean, in general, country was not really a... Country was more like... If you like country, you live pretty much in the country. Well, I, I did. We did live in the country. That was the yeah. weird thing. But no one wanted to play it. Like they all wanted to play metal music. Like, I grew up in Warwick, New York, where it's farm town. It's dairy, it's oh, corn, yeah. and it's onions and apples. That's all it is for <laughs> hundreds of thousands of acres. It's just yeah. nothing but this. But everyone wanted to play metal. So when I was sixteen, you know, I was my dad's playing all over the place, and he's in this cover band. For a band called The Band. And they were called The The Band Band. So it was pretty funny how they couldn't, you know, that was the most original thing that they could come up with. <laughs> and he said, Hey, we need a tuba player. And I said, Well, I'll play. <laughs> Why not? So from 16 to 23, I traveled the country playing with The The Band Band, playing the tuba, you know, playing all these opera houses and amphitheaters and all the BB Kings, all the hard rocks, all the city wineries. And I mean, festivals and i mean you name it and whenever i wasn't in school i was playing on the weekend with my dad or playing baseball and then in the summer it was baseball and music every day and then work with my dad because my dad was a contractor also and so he'd take me to work to dig holes basically how'd your dad get into this man because like in the music it sounds like he he's kind of led whatever life he led helped you get into uh, my all my, uh, my uncle actually was a was my dad's bass player when uh but he's my uncle's older than my my dad and um my uncle had bands when my dad was 12 13 14 years old and he asked my dad if he wanted to play when he was 13 or 14 my <laughs> uncle was like 16 or 17 or something like that maybe a little bit older i forget how old my uncle is and uh yeah my corbin band was my dad and they had uh, he my uncle Bill played bass for my dad for huh. 20, 30 years. <laughs> now, let me ask you this: when you uh, <clears throat> when you got influence, like, was country a main influence going no, on? Not even a little bit. I didn't even know what country music was. I feel that I, st- I mean, I still barely know what it is. But tell me, like, influential wise, like where you because I obviously you went. You did you venture into like that punk emo scene yeah okay big, big time like especially when i was playing metal and stuff like that and then like yeah. we would skim into like that a day to remember type yeah. all-american rejects <laughs> yeah. type sound you know but like my own personal like influences because i played bass in those metal bands mostly <clears throat> i was a big blues guy a big uh, rockabilly guy because uh, that's what my dad always listened to he listened to you know B- uh, bob dylan bruce springsteen chuck yeah. berry all those guys you know and i was just like that's the kind of music i liked you know, I didn't like metal music, <laughs> I mean, but it was a chance to go play music and play on a stage. And I love that kind of, you know, I love that shit. It's like performing. Yeah. And, and so, music. Yeah, hey, so yeah. like when it came to like playing metal, you know, I incorporated a lot of blues into metal music, like blues and jazz type of stuff. It was really interesting. My bandmates, they were always like skeptical at first because they're big metal heads. Like I was the only schmuck on stage in boot cut jeans, boots a baseball t-shirt and a ball cap at a metal show while everybody else is in like tight v-neck shirts skinny jeans black converse or vans whatever you know fucking eye makeup on black fingernail polish and i'm over here looking like you know baseball dad you know on stage like we played with devil wears prada and i'm i'm up there again in a (laughs) three-quarter sleeve shirt you know while devil wears prada is about to go blow the roof off of the chance theater in poughkeepsie new york (laughs) So it's just I've always loved 
that kind of music was like the blues though the blues rock and roll rockabilly i didn't really we had country back home but it was like the mainstream radio country you know like i knew like i knew the johnny cash hits i knew the garth um the garth brooks hits who hot take i'm really not a big fan of garth brooks to be honest really just don't i don't like his sound i don't like don't like i just don't like it i feel like interesting yeah i heard it well i heard this thing one time and it really opened my eyes how they said like Garth Brooks kind of ruined country music in a sense because he was like the first pop country artist if you really look at it if you listen to like his music and stuff it's a lot of like he took like the pop of the 80s and kind of turned it into country music and he was like the first country artist to sell out to like sell out stadiums and stuff like that because before that it was traditionally churches and small theaters and small opera houses and stuff like that and all of a sudden now you got this guy Garth Brooks, you know, he's putting you know, he's putting pop music in the country and he's selling out arenas, which is great. Good for him. Interesting. But hmm. it kind of made country make this turn that what I in my opinion, the suits of Nashville and country music have been trying to make it happen for so long. But there was always that one artist to like bring it back. You know, like you had like Willie Nelson with Outlaw Country, bring it back, you know. And now you have like guys like Tyler <clears throat> Childress and Zach Bryan bringing it back, you know. Yeah, I feel that. It's it's funny because um, growing up, I, I didn't play. I couldn't play. I didn't know how to play guitar to like later teens. Right. But I love <clears throat> going to the metal shows. Like metal and rock had an underground scene. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they really did. Country did not. Country did not have an underground scene, which now it does, which I think is cool. I think it is cool. Whatever, however, whatever direction brought it there, I think it was super important for country. Oh, yeah. Like to develop. And I mean, look, no matter no matter who changed what um, or what direction is a good direction, like. There's money to be made in country music now. The, the, and that's one of the reasons why like, I moved here. Yeah. You know, I was in the metal, like I said, in a metal band. We were touring. We were touring for like a month. And we made like no money. And I was just like, I understand. Like, I understood the business for, for years with my yeah. father being in it for years. You know? But when, there were some venues I never understood. They're like, oh, if you don't sell enough tickets, you can't play. It's like, well, what happens to all those tickets that I sold then? And the people come see us, and they're not here. They're like, well, if you want to play, then you got to pay for the remaining tickets that you need to, that you need to sell. And I was just like, you're supposed to pay me to play. I'm not supposed to pay you. And then that's when I was like, this is ass backwards. And that's when I came down here. I was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like the touring is awesome, the traveling is awesome, but I I can't I can't put up with it anymore. It is interesting because <clears throat> you still have venues that. They want you to sell a certain amount of tickets. And basically right. that is, I'm sure you know now, like that's to cover their overhead for the night. Right. Yeah. And as musicians and artists, our job, our job is to make that venue money. Right. Unfortunately, like now, you know, selling records and stuff is different. That That's our job to make ourselves money. But for when we play live shows, whatever, wherever we play, they're banking that, you can make them money. Right. I think as soon as I realized that, I actually had a friend, uh, Ben Garner, who kind of mentored me. He didn't know he was mentoring me. I just watched <laughs> what I just watched what he did. And <clears throat> you know, he made a comment about that. He's like, 
I forget exactly how I said it, but he was like, it doesn't, it matters how many beers or whatever you can sell yeah. when you're playing. Yeah. You're not really there to play music. You're there to sell right. them and make money. And I'm like, fuck, that's so right. Uh-huh. And it kind of changed my perspective on, on like, you know, just a, a different, I, the music business, part of the business that right. not a lot of people realize is still part of the business. Right. Cause you, you gotta be able to make, Whoever's whoever's banking on you need to be like bring value to them, and that's you know money right. is value. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, it, and also I think it goes both ways. Also, you know, you know yeah. the bar, like the bar needs to do their end on, or the bar venue, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a bar. It could be hopefully we're playing bigger venues yeah. than bars soon. You know. Yeah. But on their end, if I see that they want me to sell a certain amount of tickets, but there's no promotion on their end, yeah, then. <laughs> I'm going to get pissed, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. There's been several times where that's happened to me. Um, yeah. We And we, I would go up to the people and be like, you guys don't have this anywhere here. Right. You don't have any on social media. And this is all on me. It's right. like where I was friends with the, a few, most of these people that I talked to them about. And it was like, I should be getting a higher cut now because yeah. I'm doing it all. Like any of the things that are coming tonight are from me so it's not like a split there is no split i did all the work and i don't mind doing all the work but i better be getting that part of cop yeah, yeah exactly right so you play these metal bands um when you're in your teenager years mm-hmm. yeah up until and i was 23 tell me like how you got you you were in new jersey and then you moved to florida yeah well i was born in jersey we yeah. lived there till i was about 12 then we moved to florida for my dad's business like he's a home he was a home builder and he had an opportunity in florida with some land to build some homes and stuff like that so we moved down there fuck yeah we were there for two years and then we moved up to warwick new york and uh yeah i was there until i was 23 and i bounced around you know i went from went to west virginia university you know i had i lived on my own in new jersey coaching baseball for a little bit and then Moved back to Warwick and then moved here when I was 23, 2015, when I moved down here, August uh, 10th, 2013. What, what did you go to West Virginia for? Music performance and to play baseball. So it was tough to, to balance those two. Almost impossible, man. That's why. Yeah. That's why usually the when you're in sports, they usually pick the simpler ones. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like a lot of these other players like whether you were a football player baseball player basketball at at west virginia at least you know a lot of these guys were business majors or general education majors or blah blah and here i am being a music performance major you know i'm like i'm bouncing from an 8 a.m rehearsal to a 12 a.m lift session to go to another 8 a.m lesson or not not 8 a.m wow i can't (laughs) remember twice like a 2 p.m lesson and then i got practice at 3 30 until like 6 30 then i gotta go to another rehearsal like all the way on the other side of campus not not to include our classes right and then once game times come around you know it's like i now i gotta miss <laughs> rehearsals because i gotta go play a game yeah. you know and that affects my my, my grades which you know it, it, i was blessed to you know be to be gifted with these talents that i have musically where i guess i didn't have to practice as much as other people well you if all that <clears throat> all that seemed to be ingrained so much, you know, in you and in, in your life that you just understood it. Yeah. You know? It always came so easy. Like I, I kept picking up instruments left and right. Like I would pick up 
you know, drums, trumpet, baritone, yeah. tuba. I picked up piano, harmonica, mandolin, guitar, bass guitar, saxophone. I mean, I just would just pick something up and grab it and learn how to play it. You yeah. know, it just came easy. You know, I just kind of just looked online. I'm like, how do you play a G chord on a on a mandolin? I'm like, there it is. Okay, and then it's like, oh, how do you play? How do you play like a a, a C on a trumpet? Okay, just like that. You know, it's just I just looked these things up, and you know, no one yep. told me how to do it. I never like would have to go to school to learn how to do this stuff. I just picked it up because I just wanted to learn how to do it. Isn't it crazy how awesome the internet is, man? <laughs> well, well, and this is before like the internet got so yeah big too. Like my brother played a little bit of saxophone, so like with saxophone, I was like, hey Brian, how do I how do I make, how do I make a sound? You know, he's like, oh, you gotta go like this, whatever the hell, and then like, oh, put your fingers like this. I'm like, okay, and then I just figured out the rest from there. You know, my dad taught me three chords on guitar. He taught me G, D, and C. And then I taught myself the rest. Yeah. You know, <laughs> every now and again, I call him, you know, if I was like at college or something like that. And like, I, you know, we didn't really have too much text messaging then. That was when you still had to like pay for text messages. And um, I'd be like, hey, dad, what's the chord when you're on like the fourth fret and you got to put your finger here, finger here, finger here, finger here. And then like he'd be on the other end, he'd go get his guitar. He's like, oh, that's a, a, a C sharp minor. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool, cool. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. I, it's funny because while we were playing, uh, while we were writing earlier, you were saying you're like, oh yeah, that's like a dotted eighth note, you know, like dotted. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, all right, I don't know. I understand the lingo. I don't yeah. know what it means. Well, that's a whole. That's the whole music theory side yeah. of it too. It's just like, I mean, I took five, six years of music theory, so it's like where a lot of people take like. Uh, engineering classes or something like yeah. that like music engineering like you you probably know more about this stuff like this i don't fucking shit don't pretend don't <laughs> think i know anything i don't fucking know but you probably know more about this stuff than i do but like i know more of theory than you do and like maybe the typical musician you know yeah it's like you know i, I kind of can just tell you what like where an aug- augmented fifth is on a certain chord you know stuff like that whereas you probably have no fucking idea what that means no nope. exactly just happy, just happy to be here <laughs> just happy to be here yeah i'm here so i don't get fined type of thing <laughs> <laughs> that's um yeah, man. I always think it's cool that th- that kind of info is awesome to have. I, I I don't know if I so much envy it, but I think it's a cool. It's a it's an awesome view to have of it. it it's a, it's a really a, a tool, also. You know that you can use, and like you can never have too many tools. You know, it's like fuck. I could have a hammer. I could have a screwdriver, and I can have a switchblade. You know that I can have you know a sawzall, and I can have this. You know, it's the same thing in music. Like I can have you know I can have um, Rhythm playing, I could have lead playing, I could have yeah. a little bit of chicken picking, I can have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, it's all the same thing. You can never have too many tools when it comes to having a skill set. Being that versatile has got to be fucking awesome here, man. Yeah, it, it's it's fun, man. I mean, high school always got like the most the most versatile award, you know, whatever the hell it was, because I played like five different instruments and, yeah. and like all, <clears throat> every time I was in like wind ensemble or concert band, you know, I'd jump from instrument to instrument to instrument to instrument for like every song. It was insane. I'm like, all right, okay, Corbin, you're going to be on tuba this song, but then next song you're going to go play trumpet, and then the next song you're going to go hit the drum over there real quick, and then the next song you're going to go play baritone, and then I got you, I need you in jazz band playing euphonium also. And I was like, okay, got this, I got this, got That's this coach. wild, man. Yeah. And then I had to go play football that night. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. That's a that's an awesome, well-rounded, like, yeah. this view. Yeah, and it, it helped, too, like, playing different genres all the time too like going from rock and roll to metal to country now you know and then really learning i really dug my teeth into the blues here you know with the bourbon street boogie woogie blues bar down there in printer's alley i used to mm. go there a lot 
and I played bass for this girl, Meg Williams, for a little bit. She's a, like a blues rock and roll gal. She's got some really good tunes. And a lot of my friends are blues players, you know, like a guy, guy Dan Wecht. He plays slide guitar. He's like Derek Trucks reincarnated, mm. and it's amazing. And then my other buddy, Dan Monaco, one of the greatest organ players I've ever heard in my life, and the guy just plays the blues like it's nothing. <clears throat> what do you think it was about the blues out of everything else that – got you attracted to it i think it was the simplicity of the chord progressions really but also the rhythmic pattern of everything like when you get that swing that dun, 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 i was just, i love that little like skip beat almost if you want to call it like that but they call it it's a swing beat but i mean i like i called it a skip beat back in the day and i think that and then just the uh the seventh chords like a like a c7 or like a b7 those type of chords, man, they just they add like that tension to to the to a song where the, where the blues has always been like traditionally sad music, I guess you could say. I mean, if you listen to like old school like Muddy Waters and stuff, I mean, it might sound happy, but if you listen to the words, they're sad as shit. <laughs> no, I feel I see what, exactly what you're saying. That's like yeah. I, it's the uniqueness of it, I guess you could say. You know, country music uses those seventh chords too. Just every not, now and then. Well, nowadays, every now and then, back in the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when every song was an E, you know, and you get an E7, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you get an yeah. E7, an A7, and a B7 in there, almost every song, you know, you get, get a guy like Carl Perkins playing, you know, you get you know, one of the best guitar players, I think, ever to live, Carl Perkins, the guy was amazing, he wrote almost every Elvis song out there, too. That... Yeah, definitely a lot of Elvis songs had a lot of those sevens. Yeah, because, well, yeah. Elvis got a lot of his music from Carl Perkins, and yeah. Carl Perkins was just an older That's blues who guy. He, yeah. You know? And he's great. I mean, and nowadays you get guys like Zach Brown Band, they use some sevens, you know, which is really cool. But most of the stuff you hear on the radio nowadays, I mean, you just get major and minor chords, which is fine. I mean, hey, people like what they like, you know, each their own. I just don't like it. <laughs> I feel I feel what you're saying. You know, like when we were writing the other day, and you started playing that lick, you know, in that minor key, and then I started adding like those that A seven in there, you know, going into the chorus. Like that's the kind of shit that I like, you know, to kind of like entertain the ear a little bit more, you know, make the mind go a little bit more than yeah. just simple G C E or G D E C. You know, yeah. wagon wheel on a fucking repeat. You know, no, it makes sense. What? Who are some artists that you like now? Right now, Zach Bryan's probably my favorite right now. Zach Bryan. Zach Bryan, dude. That guy. I can't tell you how many times last night and today I played <laughs> Zach Bryan. I bet. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like everyone now is just keeps requesting Zach Bryan, requesting Zach Bryan everywhere I go. And I'm just like, all right, I can get down with this. Dude, you know what I realized? I think I, I will know when I make it, okay? <laughs> and it... I will know when I make it when people request my song on Broadway. I've always said that. I Dude. said I said with the last song I wrote, She's a Ten, but I was just like, This song's gonna get requested on Broadway one day. Just watch. It dude, it's such an honor. It is. Like what a fucking honor it is for someone to do that. Right? It's like imagine like uh, I don't know. Imagine like you're like you're Morgan Wallen like years ago, right? And you're just like walking around Knoxville. Right. Yep. And now, now you're walking down Nashville, and you hear whiskey glasses in six, seven, or eight different bars, you know. And like, I'm not the biggest Morgan Wallen fan, but 
it must be pretty fucking cool to be him, you know? <laughs> oh, man. But, it's just some, something special about... Uh, I I was asking myself, you know, everybody says like, all right, what, what's your goals? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, where, and you know, you can be like, oh, I want to be big. It's like, well, what does that look like? Man, it fucking looks like people wanting to hear your right. songs just to enjoy them. Just to enjoy them. Oh, exactly. Man. You know, and that's kind of like every time, like every time I talk to somebody and like that, it's in the industry that's higher up the totem pole than I am. They're like, what do you want to be? I was yeah. like, I was like, I want to be fucking famous, dude. What kind of question is that? I know. You know, <laughs> he's like, but what, like I said, what does that mean to you? And I'm like, it means that I'm playing Nissan Stadium one night. I'm playing Grand Ole Opry the next night. Then I'm going out to Red Rock the night after that. Yeah. Then I'm going to go to, you know, then eventually I get to Cody Johnson's where he's at now playing 75 shows a, a year instead of, you know, 285, yeah. you know, but it's like, that's what it looks like, you know, and I'm headlining those shows. I'm not opening them. I'm headlining them. You know, that's. And because you can't really, in my opinion, you can't, there's not one definition to being famous and being big. Yeah. You know, so when <laughs> someone says, well, that's the wrong, that's the wrong way to look at it. It's like, well, fuck you. Like, that's, that's the right way to me. Yeah, man. I you mean, there's, there's, there's some, there's no rules to life. There's not, there's really not. And when people try to make the rules, it's like, dude, it's like, who the fuck are you to make, to make the rules? Actually, I think there's probably one or two, one rule is probably like, don't kill anybody you don't have to. And two, <laughs> don't ruin anybody anybody else's happiness. Yeah. You know? That's if, big. Yeah. Because if you have to get in somebody else's... If you see somebody be happy and it like you're just jealous of that or whatever like, and you want to ruin it, it's like, all right, well, you're just a dickhead. Yeah, well, then you're a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... I would never intentionally go out to hurt somebody like yeah. that. So other than that, there's no well. There's no rules to the music game. I should say there are no rules in the music game. Whether it's we're ruining somebody's happiness or killing them, you know, there is yeah. <laughs> there is no True. rule there, you know. But in life, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but in the music industry, it's cutthroat, dude. It kind of it like you know, the only time I've seen it be cutthroat is when we were in Pennsylvania, when really? people had here. Here was my. I was in the military and I played hockey all around. Like I, so I I traveled and I know. The world is so much bigger. Like in in hockey, you know that you're even if you think you're good or even if you are good, you have so if you're not pro, you have so many more levels to go. So you have no idea. Like you're you're basically no name. You're yeah. still you're still a no name. So in Pennsylvania, what what was the issue? I I knew that. Like I had that mentality when I was starting. I did open mics for like two years straight, not knowing that, <laughs> not knowing you can get a paid gig. And then I got a paid gig, and, and it was because of some of these guys I did open mics, open mics with. They're like, "Do you want to play in between my our sets or something?" Oh, like, no fuck shit. yeah! And then they got, and then I got an offer for, you know, doing it myself. And I was like, the the guy, it was like I got one fifty for a three hour gig, and I was like. You can get paid. You can get paid. I was like, this is awesome. It's like, okay. And, uh, and so what I would do, like if I had any foot in the door anywhere and I had a show, I would make sure anybody else I saw that wanted to join or get in there. I just wanted to help. Right. Cause I knew like in the end, if I'm, if I'm able to help somebody, maybe they can't help me in the end, but maybe they can. Right. Like the world is so small and so big it, at the same time. Dude, anything can happen, man. And you it, never know. Man, and we had a lot of musicians back then, just, well, still, um, 
just have the small town mentality where it's like, no, dude, there's enough love for everybody. Right. Okay. You don't have, like, you're not fighting me. Okay. You're just like, I, like, you're, there's no point in us trying, you trying to like, they, there's people that didn't even know me or didn't even know my band that would just like talk shit. I'm like, I've never met yeah, them. Yeah. What's up to those people? <laughs> dude, it's, it's ridiculous, you know? And, but that's that small, that is where, that's like the only time I saw that cutthroat where mm-hmm. like, like you'd reach out to a venue up there somewhere and they'd be like, well, so-and-so said something. I'm like, I, as soon as soon as they said that, I said, if this is how your venue operates, that's fine. I don't want to work with you and right. that's okay. But thank you for your time. Um, and then I would confront them because we'd always, I would of course. see them and I'd be like, Hey man, I heard you say something about this. And then they're like, Oh no, no, no. There are several times where I had to tell where like I saw him. I was like, that's good because what I want you to do, if I'm, I'm going to call this venue and if they say that you said it again, I'm going to have you talk to them because I, somebody's lying and yep. it's my name and I'm going to correct it. But it was just, I haven't experienced that, that cutthroat shit down here. Maybe mm. it still is. I'm brand new. I'm it, just a baby. Yeah, I, yeah, you are pretty new. Yeah. So I, it's it's here. I'll let you know that. I've been here seven years now, and it's it's here. What the it, fuck? What, like, what's some of the experiences that you've had that are cutthroat? <clears throat> well, like, so for instance, I was I was doing pretty well for myself when last year, you know. Granted, the first three years I was here, I kind of tried to get some security, you know, work-wise. You know, so it was, it, I kind of like screwed myself on that way. You How, know? So? How so? I went to manage a restaurant and I was there for three years oh, and oh, I yeah. just didn't have any time for music. So I kind of like wasted three years here, you know, right off the bat. But, yeah. it, and it's kind of like, so last, uh, so two years ago, I guess this would be a year and a half almost. You know, I was making, finally making some headway, you know, and making some, and getting some steam behind me, you know, playing some higher profile gigs and then next thing I know I break my back you know and I'm laid up for six months or whatever the hell it was and then I'm better now you know I'm back and now all those gigs that I had are gone they're gone and there's no way of getting them back but if I want them back I got to start now from the bottom even though they know what I'm capable of you know and so that's where I've been starting now is back at the bottom yeah, and it sucks. So that's really that's really my experience with that. But I, you know, I've, I, you hear stories from people. I don't know if they're true or not. You know, some people could over exaggerate, but especially yeah. when it comes to the record label publishing companies and stuff like that. You know, when you start dealing with the suits, you start you start really dealing with it. Because I can feel that. Yeah, it's a it's a dog eat dog world out there too. Like you know, you can't be you can't be a puppy in a, in a, you know a big dog you know the big dog world. Yeah. Have you had pub deals or anything? I have not. No, personally, I've been writing with some people that do. Yeah. Um, and I feel kind of better about myself now than I did a few years ago. A few years ago, I hated my voice. I hated every song I ever wrote. I was just like, "This is this sucks." I was just like, "This is." Te-. I was like, "Why am I here?" And I started writing with these people that had like you know they had that little blue check mark next to their name yeah and that started to make me feel better i feel that you yeah. know so it's not my publishing deal it's really their publishing deal but my name's still on the song dude yeah which is great you know and it, it's a person with a blue check mark who's gonna get the streams that you want to see you know because there's two routes well there's three routes to this music industry really you know there's the front man entertainer you be luke bryan you know then there's the guy 
that writes for Luke Bryan. Those are the two. Those are the two probably top-notch spots. But then you get the one that's right below the second tier, and that's being Luke Bryan's guitar player, or being Luke Bryan's bass player. Because I tell you, there are not enough bass players in this goddamn city. And that's yeah. why that's why I've been playing bass in the city for so long is because everybody needs so a smart. bass yeah. player, you know. And if this whole singer songwriter thing doesn't work out for me, I'm good enough for bass right now, <laughs> where I could go easily pick up for anybody. And you know, you yeah. send me tracks, and I'll learn them in a week, and then I'll see you at the show, you know. So there's really three different routes to go if one of them doesn't work, you know. Especially if you have those skills too. You know, but each one's going to have its own cutthroat ability, you know? Yeah. You know, you're going to have an entertainer that's going to try to have more energy than you, that's going to try to convince a venue, hey, I can sell more tickets than this guy. You know, then you're going to have, then when it comes to writing, you know, it's going to be the same thing. Hey, I already wrote this song that got a million streams. You're writing with this guy who doesn't have anything. Why don't you just write with me instead, mm-hmm. you know? And then you got the playing, and you're like, hey, I'm just better than this guy at playing. Why don't you just hire me instead? You know, that's kind of like the cutthroat ability that you see at like each of those tiers, if you want to call them tiers type of thing. I see what you're saying now. <clears throat> it is interesting because no matter what level, whatever, no matter where you go down, I guess there is some, some kind of competition. Yeah, well, because at the end of the day, too, it's a business, you know? Yeah. And you can't really, it's like, you know, I'm a huge baseball guy, huge, big old Yankee fan, been a Yankee fan since before I could walk, you know, and I look at this year with Aaron Judge, who's going to hopefully break Roger Maris's home run, uh, home run, uh, fuck, franchise? record. Yeah, yeah, franchise record. Roger Maris, he has 61 home runs. Roger Maris did. Judge is at 54 yeah. with like 30-something <clears> games <throat> left to go. And he's like everybody's favorite player. Everybody wants him to be the, the next captain of the Yankees, but his contract's up at the end of the year. Yankees might not resign <clears> him, <throat> you know? And it's the Business. same way in music. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like I'm trying to make it just as much as you're trying to make it, just as much as a million other songwriters are trying to make it. You know, so we're gonna try to put ourselves in the best situation possible to make it. Yeah, wherever it is, with whoever it is. You know, I think that's why we go network so much. I mean, I hate networking here. I hate it. Like I I lucked out and met you at a 209 Nash show when we were both playing with our bands. You know, but I hate going to like. Whenever I get asked, like whenever I try to ask, like somebody that puts on like a pretty big, like a, like a showcase that pulls some people, I'm like, hey, and I message him, I'm like, hey, how can I get on this? Like, I got here's my EPK, like here's this. He's like, he's like, yeah, I don't care about that. I just want you to come show up like for a month or two. I'm just like, and do what? He's like, well, just hang out. I'm just like, I don't want to hang out. I just want to <laughs> play. Like, I got other shit I got to do, dude. Like, it's a business. Like, you know, yeah. I hate that. I hate yep. going to do that. And I, I know it's part of the business because they made it that way now, but it doesn't have to be. No, some of the people, and I, and I don't fault it, but it's like there's so many rounds out there. So many. And, I'm, you know, it's just, I and I'll play whatever I'd like to play. I, I think love we it. all do. But it's like if, if their first response is like, well, you got to come out and play that game. I'm just like, well, yeah, do, yeah come out and drink with me. To. Come out like, and drink with me for fucking yeah. three months. Like, do you have to? Because, I mean, I'd, I'd love to, to not do that. Cause. Right. Well, because here's the thing, too. You show up, right? And you have to awkwardly introduce yourself because they don't know what you look like. They don't really care what you look like. Yep. 
And then it's always they're always in the middle of conversation because they're the ones that are telling fifty people to show up that night to come and meet them. Yeah, you know. And then you should come out the next week, and there's fifty new people plus twenty people from the last week. So now he's got seventy people talking to him. Yeah, he doesn't remember who the fuck you are. Yeah, so, no, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, right. And that's why I had to come up. I that's why branding is a big thing. I feel like, and that's why I came up with this brand, Yeehaw Yankee, and it's working yeah it's the dumbest thing ever <laughs> but it's so dumb that it's working as long as it works man. It, it yeah. works. and i got a buddy too um donnie van slee hell of a player hell of a songwriter he sounds like zach bryan a lot and he is a chiropractor so he's the singing chiropractor or dr don uh, dr don is his that's name cool. that's like his yeah. when he when he writes emails and stuff like that introduces dr. himself don. I'm dr don the singing chiropractor it's this way it sticks out in their heads, you know? No, for sure. You yeah. remember that. Yeah, and that's why I came up with Yeehaw Yankee. No, who the fuck else is going to be a goddamn Yeehaw Yankee besides me? Nobody, you know? I even got a shirt with a Statue of Liberty and a cowboy hat holding a beer. Oh, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> I like that a lot. Right? That's very, very cool. It sucks because I have to, like, pay for my own shirts for me to wear. Yeah. You know? well, so it's yeah. like I have to... I ordered one, like, a week ago, and I'm still waiting on it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a big deal, like... Find a way to stick out. It's not just your playing because with the playing, <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna be a hot take. I think for anyone that listens <laughs> to this, everybody writes the same goddamn song, and I'm sick and tired of it. I'm really tired of it. Like, I get it. Everybody, everybody goes through a breakup. Everyone goes through it. You don't have to sing about it the same way. Yeah, you know exactly. Use some different wordings. I I fit justification into a goddamn song. You can fit something else into a song. I've uh, what I what did I put into a song? You can knuck them, you can buck them, but they'll find you if you duck them. I put that in a song. If I can put justification and that in a song, you don't have to put the same shit that Taylor Swift put in and Marin Morris and all these people put into their songs. And then the same thing that Becky put in the same song is actually the same song as you know. Yeah, it's, it's like and then with the the other end of it on the guy end, that's the girl end. Guy, and everybody's singing about drinking and trucks and finding pretty women. <laughs> Which I know, I, mean, I, I just want to, oh, gag me with a spoon every time I hear a song about that. You know, and it's the same, it's the same story, same story. Dude, I feel that 120%. And I know I'm going to piss people off because I, I always piss people off. <clears throat> Here's the thing I think, um, the truth behind all that is those are almost like classes, right? You have to, you have to write the bullshit and the shit that you know, or if maybe if you're not self-aware, but you have to sometimes just write some of that stupid, that plain shit yeah. in order to get better to write the non-plain shit. But it's like you write that, you don't write that shit and then put it out. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's. Yes. The, I guess that's really the point. Like the part that pisses me off the most. It's like, <clears throat> did not nobody tell these people that someone wrote that song twenty times already? Did nobody tell them that? Dude, I, I'm like yeah. I, I remember writing songs as a kid, and I guess I had, I I had the or I was lucky enough to have my father as a songwriter also, and I'd write a song. He'd be like. Oh, that's uh, "Born to Run" by Bob Dil- or by Bruce Springsteen. I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I write another one. He's like, oh yeah, that's "Mama Don't Dance Your Day Don't Rock and Roll." You know, Loggins and Messina. I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, can I catch a break? He's like, 
He's like, there's a million, there's more than a million songs out there. There's billions of songs out there. He's like, <clears throat> but you got to find a way to make, because you, you can't, you can't copyright a chord progression. You can only copyright melodies, you know? And even then there's gray lines. There are very gray lines. Because, you, and I'm not, I do we all love Hardy. Hardy's a fucking man. I love right? Hardy. Yeah. Now, but a lot of his He's melody, a fucking dog, man. Yeah, a lot of his <laughs> melodies are similar, but the way he, the way you don't realize it is the syncopation of like the other instruments around it. Yeah, you know, there's, he, it's like that's how good his fucking songs are. Is that like <laughs> <they're> so good? <laughs> because when you do, oh, uh, fuck, what was it unapologetically? Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, how many times has that chord progression been used? Exactly, A million. Like, what just just downtown today? I w- went from his song from that to uh, "Beer Never Broke My Heart" and yep. "Fat Bomb Girls," and it's yep. just like a. But the way he does his rhythm, not necessarily the melody, but the way his rhythm is, is just like that's what, what it, separates it. Like when he got my trucks, where my money? Yeah, it's fuck. like those are those held. Okay, I'm gonna do some theory. Go ahead, they're go ahead. they're like those dotted quarter notes. You know, but like, and it sounds like a triplet, but it's a held out trip as well. You know, it's just that held out syncopate, syncopated uh, rhythm. He's so fucking good. He's so fucking good. I hate it. And he's got such good energy. He's just so good, period. He's just, period, one of the greatest right yeah. now. And he needs to be recognized more than Morgan Wallen, in my opinion. Morgan, well, I think his. I mean, honestly, I don't... He writes for Morgan Wallen, for crying out he loud. He writes for everybody. Yeah, man. that too. That dude right, has written for everybody. And, and that's an, that's another route you could take. Like, Chris Stapleton, man, yeah, wrote for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Now look at him. Luke Combs wrote for everybody. Now yeah. he's bigger than God. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. Dude, it's, it, is, <laughs> it is wild. I open up for Hardy... It, you it opened was, for Hardy? It, it was a fair. This was two years. What? 2019. That's the coolest thing yeah. I've ever heard. <laughs> um, it. Uh, he was acoustic. I was acoustic. It was a small fair. Like that's still fucking it was cool. Fucking awesome. <laughs> and just talking to him, like, I he was not known back then. Like Rednecker came out, I think. Oh, that, that's that a great it. one. Great album. And yeah. I was like, man, but Red I knew Necker's he had name. he had written with like Jake Owen and a bunch of other people, and uh-huh. I was like, fuck. You know, just the nicest dude. Really? The nicest. That's cool And shit. I still Ugh. have yet anybody, to, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him. See, he's, and, he's, and that's another thing for people who don't know what it's like being in the music industry. It's like, you hear so many stories about these guys, like, and you don't know if they're assholes. You don't know if they're, you know, nice guys. But when you hear, like, when you have your own, like, um, your own uh, interaction with them. Yeah. And they're just, like, the nicest dude on the face. Like, Luke Combs, you could tell is a fucking angel, Okay. You don't have that. You don't need anybody to. You don't need to meet him to know he's an angel. Yeah. You know, but a guy like Hardy, like with the music that he plays and the people he hangs out with, you kind of just want to know. You know. Yeah. So you don't want to make your assumptions too soon, but that's fucking cool to know that he's I, like the nicest. I think guy the ever. biggest part is like what you had to do to get to where you are. Yeah. You know, that's like the most humbling part. It is because if you don't have to ever be honest with yourself or you don't have to go through any struggles, not necessarily like I'm talking like deeper struggles, not like, uh, you know, some like some of the their struggles in in music as a musician where like financial struggles, (laughs) like relationship struggles, like a bunch of shit struggles, highs and lows that you that they 
they'll go in cycles for a while yeah. that you have to push through while trying to become an artist that yeah. people know. There's something that a lot of us go through and a lot of bigger names now that have went through. Wasn't, wasn't Chris Jansen homeless at one point too? Yeah, like living saying. in his car for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and then he comes out with um, Buy Me a Boat. And that's yeah. all she wrote. <laughs> and so you have the, you have that, but then you also have some guys who, oh, from some connection or uh, I, oh, it's mostly connection. Some connection they just pop off, and it's like, uh, and you can tell because if you talk to them or something, I won't name names. There's a few <laughs> we can talk about afterwards that I yeah. know for for a fact. Right. Um. But they just don't. They don't understand. Like they don't have that struggle. They don't understand no. why. Well, I know people too. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> it's, you're like, oh, you just don't get it. No, because like, you, not only do you got to know people, you gotta, you need to have the money because it's, it's like, it's not just about the music, which is the shittiest part about the music industry. Yeah, is you could write <clears throat> the greatest song ever written if you don't have the money to to get it out there. Forget it. You're never gonna be anything, and that's like the hardest part. I think is being a musician is. Yep. Business, yeah, it, the bit not just the business, it's just like getting the music out there to where the most people can hear it. Because, like, yeah. yeah, you can go out and play a show on Broadway and play your play. Well, you can't play your own music really too much, but you can't, but well, you can go play your own song. Yeah, nobody's gonna listen to it, you know. Yeah, it's like, it's not like, like, I just got the one, like, I got She's a 10 on like four different playlists on Spotify, but I had to pay for it, you know. It's like you don't just get put on these playlists. People think we're like, oh, this person yeah. just got pulled up. It's like, no, you gotta pay for that shit. Like sometimes you don't. So you, sometimes you luck out and you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. But like you know, I got put on four four playlists for she's a ten, but but only because I paid a PR team to put me on there. You know. But that's what you got to do. Yeah. You know, it sucks. You know, to, to say like, okay, I bought my song to five thousand streams in a week. You know. It's like, but it's like, and that's, and that's nothing. You know, I spend 10 bucks and I get 5,000 streams. Okay. What happens if I spend a hundred bucks? True. You know, how many more streams can I get? Cause it's the same True. thing with Facebook and Instagram with boosting posts. Yep. 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 You know, that's really the biggest pain and it adds up it adds cause they're like, Oh, it's 10 bucks a day. I'm like, okay, well 10 bucks a day times 30 days a month is 300 bucks a month extra now that I got to pay. Yeah. After I just spent, you know, a grand on a song. To get it recorded, mixed, and mastered, and then paying the musicians, so maybe more than a grand, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you just keep adding up these numbers. Dude, I, so you pay uh, yeah. for for everybody out there that doesn't know anything about music industry. <laughs> so first, it starts out you pay for your guitar. My guitar, six hundred bucks, because it's it's that's all. It was a gift from my father like ten years ago. Um, then you got to pay for the studio. At least a grand, at least, to get it recorded, mixed, mastered, at least a grand. Then you got to pay the musicians, because if you're not like me, you don't know how to play drums. Yeah. yeah. You know? No, no no offense to anybody, but you know, you don't know how to play piano. You can't play every part. Yeah. So you got to hire guys, you know? So that's probably about 150 bucks per musician. You know, maybe 50 if you find somebody that you know, you know, that can play the part for you. Then you got to pay for the artwork, which could go anywhere from... 25 bucks all the way up to 500 bucks for just artwork, True. you know, and then you got to pay for the distributing, which is 20 bucks a month, 20 bucks a year. Depends who you go with. Yeah. yeah I use distro that. kid. So yeah. it's like 20 bucks a year, I think is what it is. And I can, or 20 bucks a month, I don't yeah. know, something like that. Then you got to pay for 
a PR a PR thing, something like that, to boost everything. That's ten bucks a day, you know. So you're already up to like three grand for one song. Yep, one song just to maybe get two thousand streams and buy a cup of co- uh, cup of coffee, you know. Yep. <laughs> and you put it's it true. when you put it that way, you know, everyone's true, like, "Shit, man. I don't know if I want to be a musician anymore." <laughs> it's tough because it, yeah, you you have these wild dreams, and I think. That was that was one of the cases back in Pennsylvania. People didn't realize it, this is what one of the slogans you ever hear like support local music or like yeah. support, independent like, artists. Yeah. yeah, it's like dude, they will I know there's a lot more to, to what I'm about to say, but like of in general, people are going to support you if you're good. Yeah. If, 100%. And it, like you can't complain about the game. Hey, don't or yeah. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Hate the game. Yeah. Don't hate and, the players. Either. Like, yeah. but if you don't even understand the game, that's the thing. You can't even fucking like. Yeah. A lot of these, a lot of these. No offense, a lot of these Belmont kids, man. There. Uh, do you know what Belmont is? Yeah. Do you the, know the, the school, the, school, the music yeah, school, yeah. and they're yeah. coming out of there. They're taking songwriting classes and all this kind of shit, and they're coming out. And they're like, they're they're very talented. These kids are talented as all can be, yeah. and they know the business side. Yeah. But every song that comes out of Belmont the same fucking song right so not only is it the same fucking song they also it takes a while to get that experience as a if you want to be a professional musician yeah you can go out there and play for grandma but grandma you know grandma's not you know connor from st louis she ain't playing bills she's not paying bills you know he's not she's not connor from st louis she's not mary from wisconsin yeah you know those are the people they're gonna go out and buy and then then you get how we actually make our money is not on music either. We don't make our money off of our music. We make our money off of our merchandise. <clears throat> Which, that's, that's definitely the quicker way. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, especially if you go with a record deal or something like that, you know, they they take half of everything unless yeah. you supply your own merch, you know? Yeah. So you're already getting half of your shit taken away right off the top. It's true. I mean, it's just... A, you know the I, game, man. Uh, and it's like you said, there's so much more to it than what we're actually saying. But if we actually talked about all of it, we would be here for a week. We'd be in this room yeah. for a week. <laughs> we might have to live stream it just so we can keep going. Dude, it's crazy sometimes, man, because I've gotten anxiety over it tons of times. Yeah, <clears throat> and I never really got anxiety before, and I didn't really know what it was until my girlfriend was like, "You have anxiety." I'm like. That makes sense. <laughs> like uh, I got this, I got this show uh, to open up for somebody, and I was like, "Oh, sweet, that's great," you know. But it was while we were down here, up in PA, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, down here uh, to open up for somebody in Indiana, and I was okay. like, "Okay, that's cool. sweet." I'm like, "Awesome, that's great." And then I was like, "Okay, well, I have to pay for a van. Uh-huh. This show is it? It was, it was going to be a." Decent paying? No. No. No, it was not. Decent. But I wanted to get into this Midwest route. Okay. And I have no other connections. So, like, this just popped up. And I was like, I want to do this. And I was like, all right, fuck. I have to pay for a van. Shit. All right. How am I going to do yep. that? And then I was like, all right, I have to get... I don't have any merch down here. Right. So, I was... And I need new merch. I was like, well, fuck. I need to get new merch. All right, fuck. I need to pay for new mer- merch. Right. So, I had to pay for all this shit just... Just to break and even. Just to hope that, yeah, just to hope I break even or like have a good 
have a good night there or some shit. It's just like, right. there's so much to think about. And because what happened was I got it and I was so excited. And then like the next day I was just depressed. Uh, and Lauren's like, what is wrong with you? I was like, she's like, you just got this show. Like you should, you were happy yesterday. I was like, I know. Then reality, then kicked reality in. kicked in. <laughs> like, Dude, the same thing happened to me, man. Like I, w- I got this offer to play at this rodeo in Wyoming, Cheyenne. It was going to be great pay. Don't get me wrong. Great pay. But I needed to pay for a flight. I needed to pay for a transportation. And there's no airport close to Cheyenne. Oh, really? There's, it's very small. So yeah. it's very expensive to yeah, fly yeah, into. Yeah, of course. So the closest one is Denver. And it's an hour and a half drive. So I either have to rent a car or get an Uber. And I had to pay for my own hotel. And I got to pay for all mm. my own food. So, and I did all the math. Like, I was, when I got the call, I was like, yeah, let's fucking go. Then I got off the phone and I started talking to my roommate, who's my drummer. And I started doing all the math. And I was like, I'm going to lose money. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. I was like, I'm already broke as it is. I can't go out. I can't fly to Wyoming and be, and be even more broke. You know, it was just like, so I had to pass it up. Like, cause I've been wanting to get on that circuit too. Just start getting out there. Now I got yeah. another opportunity to go out to Denver, which is nice, you know. That, and that one's all expense paid type stuff. So. Oh, that's legit. Yeah, so that's going to be a legit one, and that's I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> it's cool when when you get a win. It's cool when you it get is. a win every now. And you then. need one every now and again, you know. It's like well, it's, that's that dopamine that keeps you plugging along. You know, you that's going. that's the only reason we're here is because there's some hit of dopamine that we get, and we're like. We're still in the game. Right. It's like I did my single release with Nashville Tour Stop. And Nashville Tour Stop, they're they're getting pretty well known in Nashville as like a, I guess you'd call them like a, a media promoter, show promoter type of company. Yeah, some kind of show PR thing. Yeah. And they, they do like a podcast. They do writer's rounds all over the place. Then they do full band shows all over the place too in oh. Nashville. Dude, they're, I'll have to hook you up with them with this guy. Yeah, man. Yeah, they're, they're, he's yeah. really cool. The guy's name's Aaron. He's the man. He's awesome. And um, we did my single release party at Tin Roof on the second floor. Oh, that's cool. It's a cool room, dude. It's <clears throat> such a cool room. Yeah. And it was like, you know, it was me and my band, and we promoted the hell out of this thing uh, between National Tour Stop and then me and just my bandmates. Dude, we, yeah. we must have brought like at least, uh, at least, uh, at least 100 people to tin roof second floor for just me just okay. me and like when i got up on That's stage and up. i saw all these people there just to see me i was just like this doesn't seem right yeah I'm like you sure you didn't think you were coming to see easton corbin you sure you <laughs> <laughs> i was like holy shit i was like where all these people come from and they were all like standing there singing songs like singing my songs and i was just like i was like who the hell did this that's legit man dude That's it was so up. cool it, it was like i can't say it was like it was probably the coolest show for my original music that I've ever played, you know, because I've played shows for like, I think the most I've ever played in front of was about 8,000 people. And that was for somebody else's music. And then I've done cover shows where I did 5,000 people, 2,000 people, you know, 1,000 people. My first show ever, first time ever on stage, I was 12. And I was with my dad's band and I sang Highway 61 uh, by Bob Dylan and Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan. Um, in front of about 2,000 people. That was my first time ever on a stage. And I had all the words written down on loose leaf paper right in front of the microphone like this so I couldn't see the crowd but I would just sing the words. <laughs> it was the scariest moment of my life. But ever since then, I've just like, hearing the crowd cheer was just like, I like craved it. Ugh. 
you know, I was just like, I need more. Yeah. You know, and then I just went. I originally wanted to be a baseball player. Was really what I wanted. You know, because I was in love with watching Derek Jeter play. And I just wanted to be a baseball player. And then my arm finally gave out. And I was like, well, what else can I do to be a, a famous? And I was like, well, let me. And a friend called me from Nashville. I was 23. So I was like just playing part-time, really, and playing that metal band. And she's like, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and I was like, working and playing on the weekend. She's like, well, let's try to try to come to Nashville. And I was like, okay. And a week later, I was here. <laughs> Little did I know, I was the smallest fucking fish in this goddamn ocean. Yeah. It was, and then there were even smaller fish moving like a week later. Yeah. You know, and it's just, I was, like I said, like I said before, I've just been blessed to be able to like be able to pursue one dream for as long as I did, you know, from being a kid to 23 years old, be able to pursue that dream. And now to be able to pursue another dream that I've had yeah. since I was a kid, but never had the time to because I was too busy pursuing another dream. Now I have a chance to, to pursue a different dream, and it's it's a blessing, honestly, because a lot of people don't ever have the opportunity to do this. You, when you moved down, you were telling me, tell me your story of when you moved down. What, uh, like, how did you find your place? <laughs> I was driving down the highway, coming from New York. Didn't have a place to live. Didn't have a job. Didn't have anything. I had me, my dog, and my guitars. And I found up this place on Craigslist <laughs> while I was driving down. I didn't have a plan. Yep. I just didn't have a plan, dude. I just said, fuck it. Let's do it. I, yep. If I don't do it now, when? You know, I was 23. I was just like, I'm young. Why the hell am I waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go work a job that I fucking hate? You know, so I was like, let me just get the hell out of here and pursue yeah. a dream. And yeah, found, <laughs> and then, got, then they just showed up. The guy showed up with the key at 11 o'clock at night that night. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, I, I was driving. I was driving yeah. to Nashville. I didn't have a place to stay. I wasn't going to sleep in my truck. Yeah. And I was, so I found this place. I said, "Hey, I'll I'll send you the money right now. Go meet me at the place." And he was there at eleven o'clock at night. And then I was like, "Thanks for the key. You know, I'll sign this." Blah blah blah. You know, drove, dragged my my mattress into the living room and slept there overnight with my dog. And that was night one. And Ooh. seven years oh. later, here we are. Dude. Seven years later, and a lot more. A lot more stories to have, you know, like there's going to be so many more opportunities. I know. I just know there are, there's going to be more opportunities, more stories, yeah. more experiences, more songs. I mean, there's a fucking million songs to write. I mean, we wrote one how quickly the other day. Well, you had it mostly done. I had it one verse. Just, I had one verse. It was just putting, putting a little riff together over it, over it. And the riff and another, yeah. another verse, but we did that pretty fucking quick. It was very quick. Yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah, an was hour. Cool. Yeah. Not yeah. even really, honestly. Yeah, because we did bullshit for a while. So, yeah. yeah, but still, like, it did, like in the day before that, I wrote another song. You know, yeah. you know, rich white trash. It's fucking yeah. dope. It's so cool. I can't wait it's for cool. both these songs because the plan is now to get these two songs. Plus, I have another song I'm working on with a friend of mine, Jordan. Um, it's like a. It kind of sounds like the new Hardy song that just came out. To be honest. Oh, the. Th wait in the truck. Oh, wait in the truck. I thought he meant his. Uh, oh, the one that just came out. Yeah. He's got another one that's, uh, what, 30, 30, uh, 10, I think. 30 out of 10? 30 out of 6? Nah, it's, it's not oh, 6. Oh, wait. Yeah. It's a 10. He plays it live. and but it's, it's unreleased. Yeah, it's basically saying, yeah. like, it's basically saying, like, uh, it's about a girl being like, uh, I don't, uh, what's 30. 
Fuck, I can't remember. She's like 30 years old, but she's a 10 at 30? Something. Should he take my idea from she's a 10 butt? Is that where he got it from? <laughs> no. That's right. What the fuck? <laughs> no, it's something I, I think she's leaving him, and he's like, what's a 30 at 10 or something? I can't remember. You got, we I'll have to watch it. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to listen to it after this. But yeah, the waiting truck's kind of dope. Yeah, yeah, and that's what this song is that I've been working on with Jordan. It sounds very similar to it, um, and it's going to be a pretty good one. And I've already got nine others, too, so plus... This one that we were writing, plus Run, plus the Rich White Trash. So this album in February, it's going to come out. It's going to have 12, Fuck yeah. 12 songs. I'm going to release it on my son's birthday. Oh, dude, that's yeah. awesome. Two, two, two. No way, that's his birthday? Yeah, well, I think so. I hope so. Two, two. <laughs> Man, so this is like a really golden year this year because it was two, two, twenty-two. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember me and his mother talking about that. That was funny, yeah. I was like, wow, I was like, this will never happen ever again. Yeah, for <laughs> so, sure. I remember we both we both took like screenshots of like our phones and everything like that, you know. Yeah, at two two AM twenty two minutes. Well two in the afternoon. Uh, two, we yeah. weren't up at two AM. Yeah. All of that shit. <laughs> it was all two. It was my favorite day because it's also it was his birthday, but it was Derek Jeter Day also because number two. Shit. Yeah. Oh man. Two 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 two. Yeah. Oh dude, it's the greatest thing <laughs> to have like my son's birthday be the same numbers as my greatest idol next to my father, you know. It's just it was it's like a it's a huge blessing. I'm just like this is amazing. Did you wear number two? I did for a while until um until I got a little bit. They started like having like pre-fit jerseys, oh, and number yeah. two was always a small. Oh yeah, yeah, you know. And then so I had to get a bigger one. So then I switched to number thirteen because that's what Jeter wore in high school. Oh shit. Yeah, and then okay. later on, A Rod ended up being number thirteen. I was like, oh, you wear it for A Rod, and I was like, no, I don't wear it for A Rod. I was like, I wear it for Jeter because he wore it in high school. Uh, like that's why I wore thir- that's why I wore thirteen. Like oh, he's trying to be Alex Rodriguez. Like no, nobody's trying to be <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. Nobody's gonna go date J Lo, you know. Besides him and Ben Affleck. I mean, can you blame him? No, I don't blame him at yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's but yeah, I was number two for a while, and then they did the pre-fit jerseys, and then I was thirteen because that was a large or a medium or something like that. I can't remember. I can't remember how big I was back then. I know I'm bigger now. That's all I know. <laughs> Didn't stop growing. No, I didn't, and it's still not stopped growing because ever since I broke my back last year, forget it. Yeah, I mean, it's been a struggle as shit. I bet, man. You know, we, uh, you made a comment about uh, like playing your own songs on Broadway. Mm. It's it's funny because that's kind of what my mentality was when I moved down here. Again, Same. I moved down, and I thought I had an idea of what I wanted, what I wanted to attack, and then I was something hit me, and I was like, right or wrong. I should give this whole Nashville thing, like really diving in mm-hmm. a try, like play on Broadway, yep. play Broadway, like do it to say you did it and like, see if you like it, see if it gets anywhere, see if you get right. any of ideas. Cause fuck, it's not like, like all I was doing is just messaging people about writer's rounds and right. you no, know, I wasn't really making money on that. No, but, no way so, <laughs> yeah. but, I, but still I was like, okay, let me really try and be this Nashville musician because I, I might as well. And it's like, you know, there's yeah. ways. There's definitely ways. And I got a few ideas that I want to, uh, th- like, toss around when I get some more dates. But, like, uh-huh. um, there's definitely ways. Like, people will ask for your original stuff. and They will. And, no, I get that all the time. Yeah. yeah. And as long as some of it, I mean, look, you, maybe you get one or two a night. But if that, yeah. like, I've, I've gotten, last time I played downtown, I got one. And then the other part's. The place that I play at, Pete and Terry's, the one place uh, attached to Bridgestone Arena. Oh, yeah. They yeah. let me play my original stuff all I want. So I just say, I go on the mic sometimes. I'm just like, 
Well, if you guys want to hear something in particular, you know, I got a tip jug up here. You know, throw some money in there. Tell me what you want to hear. If not, I'm just going to play where the fuck I want. Yeah. You know, and that includes my <laughs> shit. You know, and they appreciate it when I when I'm honest with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, and it, but like a guy, he's like, you got any original stuff? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, play it. And he threw some money in for me to play my original stuff. Then he came back. He's like, play more. Yeah, dude. He's like play more. Exactly. Play more. I think more people. This is what I kind of gather, and I I only have like a week's worth of data, right? At night, people want to fucking just party, just like you. Yeah. Just like you know, yeah. people want to hear songs they can get drunk to, like whatever. But during DJ. the day, they're more open to, because it's like their plans haven't hit yet. Right. Well, they're know? waking up still. Yeah. You know, so that's why like those those midday acoustic shifts downtown can yeah. be very profitable for sure. Like especially like a that. place like Jason Aldean's or FGL, oh, okay, yeah. FGL House too. Like if you get because they have good food, those places actually have good food. I agree. Like Luke yeah. Bryan's has pretty good food too. Like I've never had Kid Rock's food, but I don't know if I want to. Somebody <laughs> mentioned. I don't. I don't think it was you, but somebody mentioned. Uh, Miranda Lambert's bar has good food. They have really good food. It wasn't me that mentioned it, but no, they it was, do have. They good. talked about Tex Mex or something. Yeah, it's it's um, it's like so Tex Mex is. I don't know if you know what Tex Mex is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the American Mexican yeah, kind food. of kind of. It's it's like it's better than Taco Bell, but not <laughs> yeah. a, not as good as a taco truck, if you want to uh, put it yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. You know, so it's like I don't, like they a lot of black beans and a lot of queso. Which I guess traditionally Mexicans don't do that. Yeah, I mean, just like Chinese food, we've Americanized a lot. Oh <laughs> fuck, dude! Italian food's even worse. Yeah, I hate what yeah. they've done to Italian food here. I hate it. I'm Italian as fuck, and I, <laughs> I, I go to Italian restaurants. I go, like, oh, "Where's the gnocchi?" And they're like, "The what?" I'm like, "The gnocchi." And they're like, "What the hell is that?" I'm like, "What do you mean? What the fuck is gnocchi? Like, get, yeah. get a fucking life, dude." <laughs> dude. All right, I'm not gonna name names at all. Uh-huh. But we came, we came down last year. Um, this one company, they're kind of like a, they called themselves a label. They weren't really a label, but they were like, hey, we want to bring you down, take you to a, a writer's round and show you, like introduce you to our play, introduce you to our company and whatever. And I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, okay, you know, you guys seem cool. So we came down. There's a lot of red flags. I'm not going to go through them all. But <laughs> what I am going to say is oh boy. that we got invited and they were like, we want to have you over for dinner. My mom's world famous spaghetti recipe. I'm like, spaghetti recipe. Like, how can you fuck up spaghetti? That's Can't. Pretty easy. Like, whatever. All right. This bitch had noodles in a crock pot. I'm not. No, I'm not. You don't want to tell me that. Yeah. And noodles in my in the crock pot. And they were you soup, just ruined the whole day soup, for me. Soup noodles. And my, my, well, my guitarist, Matt, he's very Italian. And he's like. He's, he's like, this is a this is a blasphemy against God or something. He's like, this is all against God. I just want to leave. It was just soup noodles, man. You, you, and I'm pretty sure the sauce is ragu. <laughs> you just ruined my whole day. Dude, it was you awful. ruined my whole entire day. It by was awful, that. dude. It was so bad. I'm with your guitar player. Like that, I would have taken the crock pot and thrown it out the window. Yeah, I swear to God. Like it I, was, we looked at it and we're like. I mean, we're hungry, so we. Gotta, I wouldn't eat so, it. I don't no. give a shit. I'd rather starve. It was hilarious. Laughing at it now is, is the best thing because <laughs> it was so funny, man. But I was like, and then the songwriters round they took him to. Oh no! Uh, open mic. Fuck me. <laughs> fuck me. I'm not joking, dude. I was like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck, dude? What? I, yeah, I was like, you're kidding. Uh, me. So well, stupid. Everyone's trying to be somebody here. Everybody, yes. and so they will. 
say whatever they got to say, whether it's true or not. And they know yeah. people out of town are a little, so can be naive. No, no offense, but sometimes people out of town can be naive. Yeah. You know, and especially if you don't know, you know, you don't, you don't know the research before you do it and you come down, you know? Yeah. That's it's You nailed it. Cause there's a lot of shysters basically. Yeah. There's a lot of shysters that want to take the money. They'll take it, man. They'll take it like They'll that. They'll take it, dude. no problem. Dude, I had an incident with a with a recording studio. I went to go record an EP, right? And there was an incident between the producer and the and his business partner. They had me pay a certain amount of money. The producer want, didn't agree with the price, but the guy that was the business partner was like, no, we're just going to take it anyway. We're going to do it. And then midway through recording, the producer wanted more money. I was like, well, this is what I signed the contract for. It was for this amount of money, for this many songs, doing all this. And he's like, and him and his business partner split split up. So now it's like, what happens to my recordings yeah. now? You know, it's like, this yeah. guy's not going to work on them now, but you have my money. I was like, so I can either sue you guys, or you can just give me my fucking tracks, and I'll just leave, and I'll get them done somewhere else. So he yeah. gave me the tracks, ended up giving me the tracks, but the the way that he had them recorded, it was like he recorded each one in like in a different bit, in like a different tempo type of thing. That's weird. Shit. Like the song was like to a certain tempo, but like yeah. say the song was at one twenty, right? One twenty BPMs. He would record one track at like one twenty BPMs preset. Uh like so you hear the metronome click, click, yeah. click. But then like somebody else wanted to hear it more like click, 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 click. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. then he would set it to that. And had them record that. But then when you play it back, it's like sped up like that. So it's like my vocals sound like Alvin and the Chipmunk. My, meanwhile, my drummer sounds like he just learned how to fucking hit a rock with a stick. You know, it was like that's he was like, shit, uh, it was the weirdest shit. So I, but that's how I got the tracks back. And then he wouldn't answer me after that. So it was like, I just spent like, you know, however, however much money for nothing and yep. haven't heard back from these guys since. And one, he tried to reach out and I'm fucking, nope. Yeah, man, there's for we. I know we can go back and forth, so I'm gonna say this, and I got a question for you after. Yeah, yeah, okay? go for it. There's, we uh, actually, anyway, we had this one connection down here, right? From playing shows, we opened up for this one guy, um, and again, not saying any names, and so we came down. We had stuff recorded up in PA, and it was I thought it was really good. We'll, I'll play for you later if you want to hear, but yeah, um, good quality, like good mix. And this guy, you know, a certain member of the band was like, dude, come down. We're going to get better sounds. We're going to record better shit. I'm like, like, you know, I, I, I trust you kind of. Huh. So let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Dog shit. Was it really? Dude, it was like, Ugh. you know, up in PA, we had this nice widespread sound. Right. Like things sounded good. They had their own space. They had their own frequency. Oh, Sonically sounded good. This fucking mix that we got down here, everything was here and here. Uh, and I'm like, I'm trying to explain it the best I can through email. And it was, you know, this was the dumbest thing that I could have done, really, is that I had him set up everything like the, like, set up the process basically with no understanding of like what, because up in PA, like I knew the guy, I talked directly to him. And mm -hmm. I, like we, we had an understanding. Now, with this guy down here, it was like, he's like, oh, yeah, okay, you want to do like four or five songs? I was like, yeah. And so four or five songs, I did not, I didn't know what it came with. Like, I didn't know, like, okay, how many edits do we get? Like, how many, like, mastering, whatever. Right. And 
I, that was one of the foolish things I could have done. But I was like, this, this sounds like dog shit. And I don't understand. I, I just got swindled. And it sucks because, you know, we had so much faith in this guy, like, trying to help us out. He probably was like, dude, we're, I'm going to help you out. I got somebody, like, we're going to get you on tours. We're going to get you on, like. <laughs> Everyone like, says nah, that. Nah, I know. And then I was like, this fucking guy is a piece of shit. Like, dude. And, you know, he's successful in his own way. And what I really think happened is that he's a people pleaser. I don't really, I don't really think he's a piece of shit. What I think is that he's a people pleaser, Mm -hmm. wanted to help out. I wanted to be a part of helping out in a way that like, if he helped out and it worked, worked, he's now a part of it. If it doesn't work, no skin off his back. Exactly. So, I mean, I get it, but it was, it was still really shitty for, yeah, for it to not work. It's like, yeah, so, it is what it is. But now, here's my question, Adam. What does living the dream to you mean? What does it mean? Living the dream. <clears throat> well, I, living the dream to me really is, I guess I'd have to say, it's not only just playing music. It's not just playing music. That's not just living the dream. I want to play music because I love to play music. I don't want to go to my job hating it, for one, you know. But I also, I've always not, I guess you wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm a people pleaser. I'm more of a, I want to change the world for the better pleaser person, type of person. You know, I feel like with my uniqueness in my lyrics and my music, that it could change somebody's life. That's really kind of like the living the dream for me is being able to change somebody's life based off of a song that I wrote on a based off an experience I had where I could connect with a group of people or even if it's just one person I really don't care if it's just one person because if that's one person's life that I changed then that means I I did what I set out to do you know and that would be living the dream for me you know yes I want to be fucking rich and famous I do want that yeah more than anything in this whole world which is weird. I don't know why. I've always always wanted that since I was a kid. But living the actual dream would be to change just one person's life based off of a song that I wrote. Dude, that's actually the first time I've heard of, like, you know, asking everybody. It's, it's, it's one way or another. You can group it in two categories. Like, you're either, they, they get an answer of like, oh, I'm, in, I'm living the dream right now. You know, doing this journey or I'm living it like when I get to X post, you know, post that is the journey, I think. But that's very selfless, a very selfless way to think. about. I think it's awesome to live. The dream is to be able to have an impact on others lives through through the work that you do. Well, because I mean, I love what I do. And so if I say I'm already living my dream, then what's the point of fucking living any farther? So if I can change somebody, if I can help somebody, yeah, you know, I get that. I've yeah. got, I've had a lot of, you know, I've, uh, my family's got a big past of uh, depression. So, and I hate the feeling. That's kind of like why I wrote a certain, I wrote a song called care to know. Um, my buddy Hunter helped me with it. Um, it's basically like, you know, you're sitting there <clears throat> battling with depression and you ask yourself, do they even care to know? You know, cause that's what, people in my family uh, like yeah, have, yeah, have, yeah. they always I could always remember I hear them saying all the time growing up nobody cares to know nobody even cares nobody cares you don't care I don't you don't, they don't care 
And so I said, do they care to know? And like, I feel like once that song comes out, I, you know, it, it'll be out with the album. I'm not going to put it out as a single, I don't think yet, but I don't know yet. It's still up in the air. I feel like that song could be like a good start to it, like to changing someone's. Not that my music that I put out already, it could not be life changing, but also the music that I'm putting out now is trying to just get people's attention. You know, it's loud, yeah. it's it's loud, it's fast, it's party, you know, this, that, that. But that's not really what I like to write about. You know, I like to write about my personal experiences, which is, excuse me, which is what that song's going to be. That one's probably one of the biggest ones. And I wrote a song with my dad, too, that's going to be on it, too, um, on the album called Before You Go about relationship problems. Mm. But that's the one I fit justification into. That's the song I fit justification into. But... Yeah, so because it, it's really personal to me that those two songs in particular, um, especially "Care to Know," you know, because I get it. I mean, you said you went through, you know, you had some anxiety. You know, I go through shit every fucking day right now because I'm not being able to physically do things yeah. with my back. So, and but you know, and I got to fight a battle every day, just like somebody with depression's got to fight a battle every day. And it hurts to think that it hurts to like know that people that are my family go through that every day. You know, yeah. and but I know there's more than just my family out there that goes through that. So if this if this song or future songs can help somebody get through a difficult time, that is the most rewarding thing on the face of the planet to me. I love that, man. Yeah. That's a that's a great answer. That's a great way to end it for now. Yeah, <laughs> Lisa's first one, man. Adam, thank you, brother. No problem. Thanks, brother. Um, when it comes out, you know, I mean. Dude, I'm excited for it to come out. Thank but you, we'll get together and write more, obviously, before that. Yeah, definitely. Adam. Adam Corbin, everybody. Love you, bye. <laughs> Man. Hell yeah. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, thanks for having me. Dude, thanks for having me.